So I think that word of mouth is extremely powerful. Word of mouth gets cemented when I feel like I'm being treated as a human and I'm being valued and I'm being seen and I'm being heard. If, if those things are true of a brand experience, I'm going to tell people because that's unique. That's not the norm. My name is Kyle Willis, and this is Marketing from the Roosevelt Room. Welcome back to a new episode of Marketing from the Roosevelt Room. I hope you've been enjoying these interviews we've been doing. And I'm really excited today to welcome onto the show a friend of mine who I think is one of the best at storytelling. I mean, not just practically in a sense that he makes a living off it, but when I spend any time with this guy, the stories that erupt, the laughter that comes from it, the, the memories that are made from it, this guy is remarkable at it. And so, Jason Pamer, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me, Kyle. I love it. <laughs> Man, it's, it's, I, I do not say that lightly uh, when it comes to the memories that are made, the story. Every, th- every time I hang out with you, a, sto- a new story is made. There's never a boring time or just feeling like we're, mm-hmm. we're just hanging out. It's like there's a, a momentous, epic moment to our, our, mo- our uh, time together. Listen, life's too short. If you don't do that, it's you know you have deep regret at the end of life. So no, not worth it. We got to make moments, make memories. In in making those memories, man, help me understand. Is this just you were born this way? What began in you of that ability to craft story? And we'll get in a moment of actually defining what story is. But I'd love to start off. Who is Jason Kamer, and what made you be? a storyteller and a passion for telling other people's story. Yeah. Well, listen, I think this gets to like a central axiom in my life uh, that I believe we are all storytellers, whether it's around that table at Thanksgiving or it's reading a story to my kids at night, or it's going on a boat and smoking the most amazing cigars with dear friends and entrepreneurs and friends of mine, wherever stories are always told and we are always telling stories. Now, some of us, you and I, and probably many of your listeners, have to refine that ability to tell stories because it's the economic engine for our lives. Hmm. So there is a refinement that needs to happen. And a you got to get the reps in. And you got to get real-world reps, and you got to iterate, and you got to take real-world feedback, good, bad, and then you got to keep moving forward. Now, but, but that doesn't change the fact that all of us are storytellers. So I think from an early age, I just love telling stories. I love making people laugh. Uh, yeah. It wasn't until like, you know, late, late in high school, I, I, we did a short film, me and some really close friends of mine. We released it in, a, you know, in front of about a thousand kids at our school. And none of us had to be there for that moment to occur. None of us had to be there for people to be impacted. None of us had to be there for people to laugh or cry. So I was like, oh, scalability. If I can go spend a concentrated amount of time with a group of people that I really respect and then release it into the world. Yeah. into the wild and then it can continue to move and that's what i've seen over the last 10 years of telling stories is you know you tell better and better stories with better and better people you get better and better tacticians around it guys like you that help get amplify the voice put the megaphone in front of that and now all of a sudden you know the last film i released has been in theaters in over 30 countries yeah i've done press tours all around the world uh so that's the fun part 
you get better and better and you find more and more compelling stories, continue to find your unique voice in telling that story. That's like where the real fun is. So as a storyteller, then when, when you are sitting there and saying, all right, I got to get my reps in, I got to build some, uh, some practice and be prepared for that feedback. What do you, what should someone listen for as let's, let's take marketing. For example, when I say, Hey, here's my brand, here's the message I'm trying to get out, whether it be in an advertisement or the copy on my website, how does someone look at their story and say, all right, is it resonating with my audience or am I falling flat on my face? Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, I'll give like an esoteric ethereal start. Uh, does it ring true? Does it feel right? Does it, does it, does, does that signal ping with the cell tower inside of my soul? Hmm. We, we like it. We know if something's authentic or real, yeah. particularly because uh, the millennial generation is the most marketed to generation in the history of the world. And so we sniff it uh, right away. We know exactly what someone's trying to do. They're trying to get us to do X, Y, or Z. And so I think that, um, although in many ways it's easier to market this day and age because of all the tools and especially the data, it's also almost equally as difficult because it's not just that you're fighting through noise of a thousand other people sharing a similar message you are reaching a very skeptical audience. And again, I'm talking specifically about the millennial band, yeah, uh, which will represent the bulk of the buying power here in the next five to 10 years. They already do in many industries. They're disrupting things all over the place because of their ability to buy and what they're choosing to buy versus what they're choosing not to buy. So I think, does it ring true? Does it feel authentic? Does it feel real? Um, I think that's like a very fundamental thing. Because I think for some reason we go, okay, online world, offline world, so different. It's like, no, no, no. Treat people online. Speak to people online the way you do offline. And in fact, at the, I think at the end of the podcast, we'll probably get to a way of talking about some brands that are doing that really well. And what I find about those brands to be true is that they do a really good job of treating people online the way that people want to be treated offline. That's good. Uh, and there's a, there's a series of things there that I think we can get into. But yeah, does it ring true? Another way to say it is it feel authentic. I think that's a little bit of a buzz cliche thing. So, we, but does it ring true? That's good. I, you know, I think of storytelling a lot of how I've watched and studied how comedians prepare for uh, their their uh, sketches and what they do in front. And heard some stories like Chris Rock, where he tried one sketch over a hundred times that just kept falling flat every time he tried delivering it. And it wasn't until a little over that hundredth time that he finally found that way to deliver it, that, that method that rang true to his style. And now it's become one of his most popular stories that he tells as his routine. So- I love that. I think the iteration <laughs> process. Uh, so for my last film, we did 119 edits. Wow. 119 passes through 72 minutes of footage. So we finally got to the place we thought it was ready for. And, but now along that way, we previewed that, right? We previewed the first cut with a small group of people. And then we increased the sample size a little bit and screened the next maybe 10 versions down the line. And then 10 versions beyond that, we increased that size until eventually we ended up testing a full version of film in front of almost 50,000 people online. Yeah. And that data set, that feedback loop from that amount of people was very helpful in closing that last 10% which as you know, is the most difficult to refine that message, the methodology, the strategy, all of that, that last 10% is the most difficult gap to close. 
It's also just happens to be the most important, right? And this that's that's that real world reps I'm talking about. A lot of tests iterating. And I think for any clients that are listening that are engaging marketing agencies, it's like that's just part of the reality. You you got to spend the time testing, 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 and testing out in the real world, iterating out there. Can't yeah. do it just in the vacuum, can't just do it in front of a whiteboard or with the team that has a deep, deep understanding of the brand. You got to get outside of that echo chamber and get actual feedback loops from real people. So in that, I'd love to dig a little deeper, practically, if you'll allow me, you know, with your, your last film, Heart of Man, incredibly successful, as you said, it's uh, traveled over 30 different countries, sold out in uh, the theaters you, you released it through, uh, chart topping on iTunes, and we can go through the uh, platitudes of what you've been able to accomplish with that. <clears throat> and it wasn't just telling an incredible story as you did through that how would I define it? It's not just a documentary, but it's a movie as well. Is there, is there a term? Yeah, it'd be like a docudrama. I mean, the okay. MPAA agency, the group that rates every film. I remember I was in Greece uh, for the summer, a couple summers ago, and they called me and said, hey, we don't really have a category for this. This is difficult to categorize. It's like <laughs> genre breaking. Uh, and they said, unofficially, uh, your film is going to find the audience that you wanted to find. And I said, I can't put that on the poster, you know, from MPA. So, <laughs> uh, so hopefully they don't listen to this show, but um, no, yeah, listen, like it was, it's a genre breaking because it's got a narrative through line that the director and I wrote. And then we've got a series of interviews of real people from around the world talking yeah. about their own stories. And it's the combination of those genres. Uh, and again, that's like, it's risk taking, right? When we released it in theaters, we released it in about 800 theaters back in September of 17. We didn't even know, even with all the positive feedback, the night before we released it in theaters, I remember sitting on my couch shooting some video to remember that moment the day before it came out. Not even sure then if we were going to find the audience, hmm. if it had found its voice yet. And then even as we've released it around the globe, I think there's just this innate insecurity within artists and creators. Sure. People that are shaping something or releasing it to the world, there's just an inherent insecurity there. Sure. And I think... In, in a healthy way, that needs to be there because that produces some of the drive. It can obviously get unhealthy. But in the healthy sense, I think it continues to make us want to be better. I love that. I love that. And in that in that approach, the iteration, the drive to be better, uh, uh, embracing the insecurity and rising above that fear, I'd love to make this really practical. Can we take a few moments and break down the components that go into storytelling? I know this is a huge question. So as simply as you may be able to say, is there a process you go into from 10 years ago when you're making your first film to now chart topping internationally renowned docudramas? What's been a, a baseline or a framework you've used to say this is going to be a good story. Yeah. I mean, listen, so for me in, in like the full length uh, space that I'm at, I think yeah. it can be reduced to short form branded content. I think it can even be reduced to a single post, right? Yeah. Um, it's a hero's journey is the framework that any, uh, anybody listening, you and I, we could go through our top 10 favorite films. Every one of these films is going to have an underlying hero's journey framework, which essentially is, there, there's a protagonist, there's the hero. Uh, and for many of, of the companies listening, it's going to be their customer. Uh, like it's, it's, it's not us as the brand. It's not us as the company offering a product or service. It's our customer. 
which is the protagonist, this hero, this journey. This hero has to leave their known world. So think about like the Hobbit, leaves the Shire, leaves what's comfortable, what's known, goes out to the unknown world for a grand adventure, runs into things that that this person thinks they cannot overcome. It's insurmountable. I'm like, I, life is over, the company's over, the journey's done, and yet they come into contact with a, with a mentor. So like in uh, Karate Kid, it's Mr. Miyagi. Someone that's guiding them, someone that's giving them insight into that unknown world. And then when they overcome this obstacle with the help of this mentor, this guide, this Mr. Miyagi character, then they then get their hands on the thing that they endeavored to get. And at one level, it's the obvious thing. It's the sword, it's the ring. But on the less obvious, it's something internal, something inside has changed. They've grown as a character, as a person. Hmm. So I think that's a fun framework. It's much more complex. I would say anybody listening wants to dig into that methodology. Joseph Campbell is one of uh, the godfathers of this around myth and the monomyth, uh, the hero's journey. Joseph Campbell, his, all his books are on Amazon. The Power of Myth is one of uh, the great books around this. If you want to okay. dig into story, that's a great place to go. Um, yeah, so it's like thinking about that. It's like, okay, my customer, who are they? They're the hero in this great adventure. What do they want? Where, where, where are they currently at? What world are they in? What need do they have? What's forcing them to leave to go find something, to go find that product or service? What obstacles are they going to encounter before they buy? How can I help them get over that? How can I be that Mr. Miyagi? How can the brand be the guide? And then how can I help them get back into the Shire with what they set out from the Shire to go get? Yeah. Ooh, yeah. That was so good. I'm a storyteller. That's why you have me on. <laughs> That was perfect. That was very <laughs> practical. We're going to break that down. Oh, man. So, what you know, taking what you said there, I'd love to make it very practical on a second level. When you're talking, you know, a moment ago earlier about the process you went through and bringing Heart of Man to production, to film, that you guys went through your own journey in being able to get the story into the hands of investors and then getting the story into the hands of your moviegoers and those who bought the film off iTunes and then bringing it to the international audience. How do you take, you know, what was your guys' process? How do you take what your movie was, what your story was there, and then be able to excite the audience to say, Either I'll give you my thousands of dollars as an investor, mm-hmm. or I'll give you my two hours and ten dollars to watch this at the movie theater. Yeah, that's a good question. I think I would just add one group in there, which is the two hundred and twenty or so people that I hired on this independent film from seven states, multiple countries. Right? Because wow. these are these are artisans, these are tacticians, these are the, some of the best at the best of their craft. And, you know, in many ways or many moments, we're paying them below market rate. So we have to tell that story well to get on to a team to spend time in their craft. So I think there's three groups, right? It's like for the film, this particular film was like, okay, who who are we going to tell the story to 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 bring on the team to finance it? How are we going to get the team together to go tell the story? And then how, to your point, are we going to get people to commit hours of their time and money uh, in a very crowded marketplace? So I don't... Keep listening to all the episodes that N2Q puts out because therein lies the answer. I'll leave it there uh, <laughs> uh, because it is very difficult, and uh, it's it's not it's an equal blend of science and art. I don't know if it's fifty fifty, and each project probably is a little bit different, but it is science and art, uh, and it's it's the testing of those two different things, ongoing testing. And listen, you got to get people in your world working on things that are willing to tell you the hard thing, willing to tell you ah. Uh, 
I think you're going to totally miss your audience with that. Or that doesn't yeah. feel right. That doesn't ring true. Because again, we can get in these echo chambers where we like go with our team and we whiteboard and we think this is the best thing ever. This is, the, in fact, this should be made into a Netflix original series. It's so damn good. <laughs> and at the same time, it's like, nah, like let's, maybe it is, but maybe it's not. And in fact, most likely it's not, but we can keep refining Let's let's keep listening and let's keep putting it out there and listening, listening. That's what I think some of the best brands in the world do well is they listen yeah. really well. And and you know, active listening offline is what has allowed, you know, our friendship to blossom and that's what allows us to stay married. So actively participating in all of the different activity online. The yeah. posts, the retweets. Because if it's not active listening, then it just it shows me as a consumer that you're just standing by until you want to pedal me something. This oh, and then you want to engage me? You got to engage me. 90% of the engagement, you probably have the actual data on this, needs to be, you're not moving some product or service. You're just engaging me. You're adding value to my world. You're introducing me to things, concept, and beauty that I wouldn't necessarily run across unless I was on your page. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I think what you highlighted there is really important that I want to single out, is that you said, based upon the audience I have dictates the story I tell. I had a yeah. different story for my investors, for yeah. my staff, for my potential customers. And based upon what they're, what was going to pull on their, you know, what would open up the pocketbook of the investors? What would pull on the heartstrings and the commitment of my staff? And what would pull on the willingness to spend my time and money of the moviegoers? There is a different story for each one that you had to tell to get people to act. And uh, I think- yeah, and I think uh, a, a contemporary of ours, Simon Sinek, does this really good, right? Yeah. The golden circle. It's like that. Uh, moving out from the center, which is why, needs to be the way we approach all of those three audiences. But the what and the how that gets built on that reframes a little bit, depending on the audience. But that why, you know, that why should be that through line in all of our messaging to all those different audiences around our companies. That's, that's really important you highlight that as it, it hits on something that I've certainly wrestled with with the companies we've worked with and being able to tell a story uh, through our ads, through our content, through web, whatever the tactic might be. Um, but the overcoming this challenge of distrust today, there's, there's, you know, I, I talk when, when I'm talking to clients, so often I get on the phone, uh, someone tells me, you know, I've been burned by an agency before, or I've tried Facebook ads before and it didn't work. And, you know, I think we've, as you're talking earlier about millennials, you know, we're so drawn to our devices that we've learned to tune out advertising and how to cut through the noise. And a lot of that is because we have a distrust for the message people are putting out there. How would you go about overcoming that, that fear, that question, that distrust that our audience may have to what our story is going to be? Yeah, that's good, man. That's really good. Again, listen to all the future podcasts of N2Q and you'll find that answer as well. Um, I, I, you know, listen, I, you know, I, I we're, we'll talk here, you know, I, I've seen you, how you do it. You know, you're, you're more concerned with the customer finding value than you are, you know, getting to client 150 on, a, you know, this X, Y, or Z retainer. It's like, are they finding and receiving value? And if they're not like, that's again, my chief concern and my key, my chief claim. It's one thing to say it, it's one thing then, though, to create your business model around that, um, which is a whole different ballgame. And I think that 
in some ways, some of the content, I'm speaking specifically video here, but even language, less produced, right? More consistent. There are some things and stories that need to be produced, yeah. but, but the bulk of the content needs to probably be a little bit less produced. It needs to feel like I'm getting a peek behind the curtain. Um, and like, I need to be able to access and see the, I guess the wire behind that. I don't, I don't want to feel like things are veneered too much. This is me, yeah. right? So I, there's a little bit of bias, but yeah, I am kind of in the millennial circle too. I think avoiding cliches, there's a lot of marketing lingo. You go buy this book and read through this, you know, table of contents. And then you just go use that same language in a post. Like it's going to, it's going to be sniffed out. It's like, you got to do the real hard work, rolling up the sleeves and figuring out. What is that, you know, street, real life language for this industry, for this hmm. audience? I like that. What's going to resonate with them? Like if I'm, if, you know, if I'm online, I'm like, hey, baby, let's go get wood fire pizza tonight in the city. Well, okay, I want to go find a place. I, that's a certain set of language and a certain approach and certain image that I need to be met with to go make that decision to go find a new place. If I'm yeah. going to even risk to go find a new place, but that's different for every product and service out there. So it takes hard work to get in there and find out what is going to resonate with this audience. And let's avoid the cliches. Like let's get out of that. Let's get rid of that. So one last question for you then, I think you've given us a lot, you know, as we talked before, I said, Jason, help me make it practical. What's it like to tell a story? And I think you've, you've just modeled this for me as, uh, in, in your business, in your movies, in the commercials you've done, and then just in life in general. And you've spoken a, a, a few times today about some businesses uh, without giving names yet, but I'd love to know, are there companies out there that when you see their ads, their commercials, whatever they create, you say, man, they're telling a great story. If you need an example, here's one you can follow in real time. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's, I mean, there's so many companies um, that I love. I think a few of like the big brand ones, I think that everybody would know Airbnb is a good one. Like they're a hundred percent about the customer. The yeah. customer is the brand. It's both, you know, the host and the guest that, that is the brand. That's the essence the host and the guest. So I think Airbnb does a really good job. I mean, Airbnb's pitch deck. It's like lore. It's myth <laughs> in the industry. It's like the things have been circulated so many times. Um, Airbnb, I like their brand. Nike is so classic. They tell stories really well. They yeah. tell stories too that obviously in this last year is good evidence of it. Cause a lot of both online and offline conversation, right? Like yeah. if you're, you know, I, I work out of cafes all around the place. And if a brand can make its way to the corner of cafes and be the topic of conversation, they have succeeded. That's not even to mention the online chatter, the online, you know, uh, volume of engagement. So Nike does a really good job, I think. Warby Parker, um, I actually wrote this down. They're, they have a self-proclaimed objective, and that is to offer designer eyewear at a revolutionary price while leading the way for socially conscious businesses. I mean, that itself is like, you, you could unpack that in, in a lot of content. Um, they care about, their people, the customer, they care about how they provide that product, the quality which they provide that product. Um, so I think, yeah, those are three brands. There's a lot more. Away, um, Away Travel is a company that, because of the way that they told their story, I bought their stuff and yeah. really loved it. And yeah. then here, here's, here's a practical example. So I'm traveling to Europe with their bag. 
to have that lithium battery in there so you can charge your phone or whatever you want to charge, you know? Yeah. Uh, in Germany, that gets pulled out by like their version of security, TSA, destroyed. I don't oh, know yeah. that till I land in Greece. I get a note in my bag and I'm like, what? And I go on to Way Travel's site and I look at the fine print. And sure enough, it's like, I'm liable for that, right? If I don't pull that out, it's on me. I figured I'll shoot him an email, shot him an email. I get a response within a day. So sorry to hear that. We're sending you a new battery. Wow. It was, they didn't need to do that. It was in the terms of service. That they don't have to do that. But when I see a brand go over and above yeah. to make sure that that to me, it's like, oh, that's so worth it. Yeah. The lifetime value of me versus that lithium battery they chose to send out. That's, I think companies need to constantly be evaluating that. Okay. Because, what if, what if, go ahead. I would say because of that action here, you are telling their story. Had it been the otherwise, it would have been a negative story. Out of your 25 million active listeners on this podcast every month, you know, 5,000 <laughs> of you go buy bags. I just made away travel a lot of money. So I think that word of mouth is extremely powerful. Word of mouth gets cemented when I feel like I'm being treated as a human and I'm being valued and I'm being seen and I'm being heard. If, if those things are true of a brand experience, I'm going to tell people because that's unique. That's not the norm. Absolutely. Absolutely. One last question then to wrap this up. I think for those who have been hearing us today, they're saying, all right, I, I know story is so impactful. I've really got some uh, good insights for what you've done. What is, where would you start, Jason? What's the one thing you would do uh, if you said, all right, the one action I would take out of everything I heard today is blank. I would do two things. I would subscribe to this podcast and I would set up a free 30 minute consultation with Kyle Wilson. <laughs> I would I'll do both. <laughs> and yeah, I was going to say that I'll take my 5%. And I think everybody's really happy with that. Um, uh, listen, I, you know, I think, I think, uh, get, get some quiet. If you're a business owner listening to this, yeah. find some time to break away from the noise and just get back to that original kind of why, why you set out to start that brand. If uh-huh. you're an agency and you're helping a bunch of different clients, I would also find a place to get away, get some quiet and go, what do I really care about? And, and really, if we can continue to reprioritize the customer as the hero in this hero's journey, we will find success. But uh, it won't be because we're chasing success and working backwards from that. It'll be working backwards from trying to add value, serve the customer well, keep them in the center of the bullseye. Jason, that was beautiful. And your your pitch, I'll, I'll definitely uh, <laughs> bring you back for more of that. Thank you well, so everybody much. Everybody heard 5% too, so you're legally bound. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's recorded now. But Jason, yeah. thank you so much for your insights, being able to give us some practical steps to being able to tell our story better and make sure the customer is the hero of our story. It's been a privilege mm-hmm. having you with us here. Thanks for having me, man. Hey, I want to thank you very much for joining us for this episode of Marketing from the Roosevelt Room. I know you have a lot of options on what podcasts you can listen to. So thank you sincerely for taking the time to join us for this one. If you have enjoyed this conversation, we'd love to keep it going in our Facebook group, Marketing from the Roosevelt Room with Kyle Willis. In that, we have live video, Q&A, and create more of a dialogue. We'd love to keep the conversation going. So please join us on Facebook. Otherwise, look forward to catching you on our next episode. Have a great day.